Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Midwest Hemp Council podcast. I'm Jason Dozier, your host, and today on the program, we're going to talk with Josh Hendricks. Josh is the Chief Growth Officer of Dex Sustainables, formerly Driftless Extracts. A lot of you know Josh, or at least you've heard of Josh, read some of his writings, but we're going to talk to him and find out what's going on with Dex Sustainables, Driftless Extracts, and some other things involving hemp here in the United States. But first, I want to give you a couple notes. The Midwest Hemp Council will be represented at the Southern Hemp Expo this weekend in Nashville, Tennessee. That's August 18th through the 20th. For those headed there, stop by to see the Midwest Hemp booth at, uh, well, at booth 1253. Again, that's at the Southern Hemp Expo this weekend in Nashville. It'd be a great weekend to be in Nashville, wouldn't it? The Midwest Hemp Council is also proud to host a fundraiser concert on September 16th at the Vogue featuring Clayton Anderson. This is going to be a great show. The concert will benefit GitPAC, that's G-I-T-P-A-C, Grow Indiana Together PAC. That's Get PAC. Indiana's first political action committee created to support Indiana candidates advocating for responsible cannabis reform. Tickets are available at thevogue.com. Sponsorship opportunities also available. Just contact Jamie at Midwest Hemp Council at jamie at midwesthempcouncil.net. So again, that email address is jamie at midwesthempcouncil.net. All right, guys. So with that out of the way, let's get to our featured interview. Once again, Josh Hendricks of Dex Sustainables, formerly Driftless Extracts. Josh, how you doing today? I'm pretty good, sitting in uh, sunny California, just trying to get through the ground of the Tuesday here. I got you, I got you. Well, now, I, I introduced you as the Chief Growth Officer for Driftless Extracts, but I understand there's been a change, so let's go ahead and address that right off the top here. Uh, talk about Driftless Extracts and the change to the new focus you guys have right now. Sure. Um, so, so Driftless Extracts has always been kind of a uh, full from start to finish hemp company, uh, just mainly focused on cannabinoids. And so um, the founders, one's a certified agronomist, and their father's a certified agronomist, their three brothers, uh, the other guy's in finance, and the other one's an engineer, which really goes well for uh, growing hemp, processing hemp, and turning that into a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so they started, you know, four years ago with that in mind. Um, Sam, the youngest brother, started growing hemp and doing such a good job that he and his dad actually wrote a book called Cultivated Cannabis after one year of growing it, really breaking it down to this needs to become agriculture, even for cannabinoids, you've got to do it efficiently, et cetera. Um, that turned into an agricultural processing facility where we dry hemp, separate it, grade it, keep it in a cold storage for a lot of farmers in that southern Wisconsin area and obviously our own uh, production material. And then that evolved into a an old technical school that's a LEED certified building, really cool with solar panels and a living roof and all that, where the Driftless headquarters became. Uh, and that is currently being expanded on what we already have to a full scale or a sorry full service, um, taking hemp through extraction, through remediation. Uh, we even have bottling lines, and we'll eventually have gummies and things like that. So it'll be a vertically integrated start to finish and you know we that business triple sex extract sells ingredients uh cannabinoid ingredients and um we have a finished product brand called workman's relief uh but along the way we also started processing some of the fiber 
uh, even from the cannabinoid type plants, mainly to get the herb, but even some really low quality fiber that could be used for erosion blankets and things like that. Um, and kind of the whole passion behind hemp was sustainability. And you quickly learn that growing hemp for cannabinoids isn't the same as growing hemp for fiber or food in terms of the way you can capture the carbon and keep it in different products and all that stuff all the way through. Um, so with that in mind and kind of always, the plan was when we got the Triflis um, ingredients side of the business off and running and certainly generating quite a bit of revenue and things like that, um, that we would go out for a you know, Series A round where we would raise a significant, significant amount of money, hopefully be able to tap into some government grants and things like that now as well, and really build out a full-scale hemp fiber processing facility. So, um, you know, there's some of those that are being put in and, and kind of up and running around the country that are geographically pretty far off from where we are. We think that industry is going to be really regional in terms of who, you know, growers that produce it and uh, who processes it. We were able to produce quite a bit of fiber and quite a bit of, of anything that we grow in, in our soil there in Wisconsin. Um, so maybe not even needing as many acres to, you know, have enough material to run through that facility full time, et cetera. That's kind of where the light bulb went off um, and that, or where it's always been really. And eventually or recently um, we decided to change the name of the, the parent company. So the parent company is now Dex Sustainables, D-E-X Sustainables. Mm-hmm. And Driftless Extracts and Workman's Relief will operate as um, divisions underneath that parent company. And, and that's kind of always been the goal, but we're really excited about going through the, the end of the year and utilizing our technology accelerator that we have and some other things to, to kind of get that, that, get that thing on the tracks and moving down the, down the rails. All right, and before we continue, uh, since the name has changed from Driftless uh, Extracts to Dex Sustainables, how are people able to get a hold of you or find you on social media right now? Uh, so social media is still Driftless Extracts. Um, everything's pretty much still Driftless Extracts except for the, the official parent company name with the government. Mm-hmm. Um, we're slowly going to be shifting that over, and it'll kind of be – a little bit of a, a separate division too, because it will be focused on materials and fiber. I mentioned that we have the capabilities currently to um, create various variations of herd. So anything from a powderized hemp herd from the stock to kind of a bigger mulch size hemp herd that's super clean for animal bedding. Um, we're, we're definitely already capable of doing that under our deck sustainables. Uh, branding, but we, you know, when we're working with the client that makes cannabinoid products, they're still buying dripless extracts. That's kind of that brand. And when we're working with a retailer or a customer that's taking workman's relief, they're still buying that. So those are all still brands that we operate, and that's where they can find us. Eventually, uh, probably later in the year, you'll see a lot of Dex Sustainables stuff coming out, websites, marketing materials, social media, that kind of stuff. All right. And when we started our conversation, you mentioned you were out in sunny California by the beach, but you guys do have a property in Kentucky. Talk about geographically where you operate and how you operate uh, Driftless Extracts and Dex Sustainables. Well, that's so, so I actually have farms in Kentucky. Uh, personally, that's where I'm from, mm-hmm. where I grew him for three or four years. Um, Dex is in southern Wisconsin, so we're about 45 minutes west of Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the region that we're in there is, um, some of the, some of the best soil, you know, in comparison, what, you know, 
uh, Montana can produce in certain crops, we could produce three, four times as much on the same acre in terms of what you're taking off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, you know, they can produce tons of, you know, a better, uh, a better uh, harvest of corn than certain states and things like that. That's really due to the soil and a different variation of soil, plus obviously the rain and the sunlight that, that that area gets. So if you looked at a map and you looked at southern Wisconsin, it's of northern Illinois, um, you know, with the 50 to 100 mile square radius of where our operations are there in Plain, Wisconsin, um, you're gonna we're gonna network with all those farmers. I mentioned the father-son combo of the founders. I mean, they have 20 to 30 thousand acres that they've consulted with and done other things through their agronomy careers. Um, so we've definitely got the farmers. We've definitely got the soil. Uh, I think one of our big things as we move into the fiber realm. Uh, since we kind of already got that figured out on the cannabinoid side, will be genetics. And so I'm um, trying to find the right genetics that, that we know we can grow and do really some um, cultivation methods and um, you know, trying to do a little bit of regenerative ag, no-till, and things like that, where not only is it good for the soil, good for the earth and all that stuff, um, it's cheaper, right? Like the cogs go down. And so the whole angle of, any agricultural industry really, but especially hemp being a startup and, and if we're talking specifically about hemp fiber is who could produce the most for the least amount of money, right? Because then you're going to be able to be competitive on price with other materials. And, you know, it all depends on where you're going with that and what you're doing. Um, but that's something we feel like because where we're located, we have a huge advantage there in the Southern Wisconsin, Northern Illinois, what is actually called the driftless region. Oh, okay. Now, now you've uh, you've described the region and the soil and that sort of thing. But how far out do you guys service? I mean, as far as customers, clients, how far out throughout the country do you guys go? Uh, yeah. So we have clients all over the country, from I mean, really every corner, Florida to Oregon, Cal- Southern California to um, we have a client in Maine. I think mm-hmm. uh, we certainly have retailers all over the country. Our brand is in about seven hundred retailers, including Tractor Supply, which is obviously pretty spread out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we even have a, you know, we're doing some work in Japan, uh, Mexico. We, we've got some things that are certainly international as well. Um, the guys there in Wisconsin, they've, they've been pounding the pavement. I mean, they, uh, they really came online and I came on board right after COVID hit. So that, you know, changed kind of the, the way you had to go about business. You couldn't go sure. to trade shows and all that stuff that first year. And so really with an internal team of dedicated people, and just cold calling, cold emailing, using my, my resources and network that I've developed over the past six years, we've really been able to make, at least get it, gain entry into a lot of conversations. And I think a lot of it also has to do with, uh, when you talk about the cannabinoid side of business and, and eventually everything we do, not everything, but a majority of what we do, one of the big advantages we have is uh, you know, a lot of certified organic material. And we believe in certified organic, especially when you're talking about something you put in your body or on your body. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a that's a, an advantage that we have. We recently had that facility GMP certified, which is going to be a, something you have to do in the cannabinoid world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also kosher and National Animal Supplement Council, so we've got a lot of uh, clients that are in the pet space and in the animal space, not even just the cannabinoids, people that want to make, you know, dog animal beds, like the actual stuff that you put in your house and stuff it with hemp fiber or the outer coating being more hypoallergenic. There's just, there's lots of cool stuff happening and lots of innovation with those keywords. And I think organic, sustainable, those types of things are, are really what's leading the charge. So 
like I said, you know, we were able to take advantage of some of that um, along these last two years. And now that the world's, you know, opened back up, if we're trucking right along, we're, you know, hiring new people and, and getting into new events and, and really expanding. All right, we're speaking with Josh Hendricks. Josh is the Chief Growth Officer of Dex Sustainables and Driftless Extracts. So let's talk about you for a second, Josh. You've got a long history in hip, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background and kind of your journey to get to this point. As you mentioned, you kind of came in just about COVID, so uh, obviously you were involved in the hip industry before that. So talk a little bit about that, about your background and why you got interested in the hip industry. Yeah, I've told that story a million times. The quick version is uh, I read a book called The Last Free Man in America by Gatewood Galbraith. And he was one of my grandfather's buddies, an attorney. And um, he was the guy in Kentucky that always ran for governor as an independent. Obviously, he ran for everything, but uh, never won. But he was a big activist. And he was the same guy that was with Woody Harrelson when they planted the hip seeds and traveled the state with Willie Nelson. It was a big legalized cannabis guy. But also, uh, he understood the difference between hemp and cannabis or hemp and marijuana. And when he, when I read the chapter about hemp, I was like, well, this is crazy. I knew Kentucky would always be last when it comes to marijuana. They're still last. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kentucky was the hemp state, right? And it wasn't that we produced all the hemp fiber. It was that we grew a, a lot of the hemp grain. And because we, you know, the people that live in Kentucky own those seeds and own those rights. They would grow all these seeds. And obviously there's still fiber that comes off that. Um, but those seeds would then go up north the next season, and that's where they would produce a lot of the hemp fiber because they have such longer days. They can grow taller plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but just reading that book, I got really interested in college, did a bunch of research, found out not a whole lot you can do about it, uh, moved around the country for a few years after college, found myself in Richmond, Virginia, um, kind of looking for that next thing in life, looking at different entrepreneur-type stuff, and kind of out of nowhere, Kentucky started talking about legalizing hemp, and uh, our ag commissioner at the time, James Comer, now Congressman Comer, uh, U.S. Congressman, um, he and now the, the um, general counsel for the U.S. Roundtable wrote an article in the Kentucky paper when I was back home for some horse races, and I reached out to them. I, I knew had some friends of a friend that were able to connect me with them. And being in Richmond, Virginia, there was also the Virginia Industrial Hemp Council with Jason Amatucci. Uh, so I just kind of started getting involved with that, started talking to those guys and keeping up with what was going on, and luckily got to tag along to D.C. In the, in the early days of that lobbying. Uh, and when the 14 Farm Bill passed, I quit my job and moved home, and everybody thought I was crazy because the hemp industry didn't really exist. But I kind of right. looked at it like going back to school. Um, spent about two years growing hemp on my farm, working with all the various projects. I started the Kentucky Hemp Association. I started or helped start the Kentucky and uh, the Hemp Industry Council, which is now the U.S. Hemp Roundtable. I was also the founding member of that transition. Um, but in that time, I started, uh, I got a job with a company called CD Sciences. They were one of the, uh, the first big CBD companies, really in retail, while Charlotte's Web was killing it on the internet. Uh, CD Sciences and Plus CBD was killing it in these health food stores all around the country. We were part of the whole Indiana product seizure and all that stuff. But I really spent four or five years there kind of being the forward-facing voice for the fact that, hey, hemp is now legal. I was part of the group that helped legalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was part of the group that helped refine that in 18 and kind of fighting those battles and, and just convincing the retailers, convince consumers um, that, yes, there's this is legal, this is coming. And, you know, honestly, what happened in all of that was those three letters, CBD, kind of hijacked the hemp industry. And it's the hand up. 
Uh, certainly a little bit of my fault, but a lot of the, the agricultural side, the investment side, um, it all shifted away from, you know, where we really wanted to go when we legalized hemp in 2014, uh, which was making things out of hemp and creating a, a, another option for the food supply. Mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell and those guys didn't know, nor did I, uh, didn't know what CBD was in 2013 and 14. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how many Webb people really did at the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and Charlotte Swepp certainly was smart. They took advantage of the farm bill when it, um, and they just stopped saying cannabis and medical marijuana and started calling their low THC, which it was technically legally. Um, they just started saying hemp, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they that that created this huge boom. Uh, a bunch of money went in. A bunch of money got spent. Um, not a lot of people succeeded and came out the other side. But all along the way, there was um, there was this underlying thing that hemp was sustainable and hemp was organic and hemp was good for the earth. Well, you know, the way that you grow a lot of the cannabis or the, the hemp out there that's going into cannabinoids, not that sustainable. There's people growing it indoors with light. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, growing it for seed or growing it for the stocks uh, is really the answer to that. And so when when uh, COVID hit and I had my son and a bunch of things happened in that, that early part of 2020, um, you know, it kind of became about getting back to that for me. And I'd worked with Triflis when I was. Uh, working with CB Sciences, they had grown some amazing crops for us that were that were of the fiber variety, similar to what's done in Europe. And um, the more and more we talked, the more it just seemed like we could make some uh, make some noise together. And so I came on board in, in October 2018, um, full time, and uh, been been trucking along ever since. So going on or 2018, sorry, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so going on two years and. Yeah, it's just, it's good to be back. Um, you know, the cannabinoid space is great. I take CBD every day. My fiance has a women's wellness company that incorporates CBD into a lot of their products. Um, it's just not how we get to anything more than, you know, 20 or 30,000 acres of hemp. And you know, we, to get to the million, 10 million acres that I'd like to get to where we're sequestering a lot of carbon, we're creating, we're value, you know, putting a value on that carbon, we're creating other markets for farmers to get into that are actually bettering um, the, the, the world that we're living in kind of thing. Uh, that's really where my passion lies. And so that's kind of where we're focused. Well, like I said, you know, triplets extracts and work with relief, certainly, um, certainly taking care of the cannabinoid side as well. Well, obviously, you, you've been around the industry quite a while from the inception uh, all the way up to this point and continuing on. The 2023 Farm Bill, talk about that for a minute. What do you feel should be the priority and, and some of the things you'd like to see in that Farm Bill? Um, I, think, uh, I think there needs to be some sustainability standards and, and ways to incorporate the sustainability of hemp fiber and hemp food. Um, into um, the marketplace, really, you know, carbon credits and um, just tax credits for farmers and, and ways to encourage them to expand this market to create more sustainable materials, hemp being just one of them, but obviously my primary focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that needs to be incorporated. Now, there's other stuff, obviously. Uh, I think the cannabinoid world needs clarification the fda needs to say this is what cbd and or hemp extracts have to look like these are the rules and regulations you know i i never thought it would be 2022 and i would still be having that conversation but and because in 2018 
I thought, okay, well, the next step after this farm bill for cannabinoids is going to be the FDA saying, hey, here's your swim lanes. You can put CBD in beverages, but only at this level. And you can put CBD in supplements, but here's all the rules that go with that. And isolated CBD, that's only for drugs. So you better get a drug manufacturer's license if you're going to deal in, in isolates. And that was my honest opinion. Uh, and instead, they sat around and twiddled their thumbs and done nothing. And you've seen all these isolate products and overpriced garbage extracts that were spot-bought from some farmer sitting in the barn for two years, et cetera, just continue to, to create havoc in the market. And, and even worse so, um, these, these kind of man-made cannabinoids, so Delta A, THCO, you know, these things that, yeah, if you were to test a hemp plant, you might find one little speck of Delta 8 or one little speck of what you would think, you know, what would resemble THCO or THCB. Um, but you, you know, my whole concept behind cannabinoids is you want to take the plant and you want to transfer all the goodies that are in there. So not just cannabinoids, fatty, fatty, fatty acids, plant waxes, and all that stuff, and transfer it into that tincture, obviously, a carrying agent that's good. Um, but the, the same concept is juicing the plant. That's what I used to say. Um, well, they're doing that, and then they're taking that and saying, okay, well, we can get a better margin if we do, do this other process, run it through some chemicals or you know, maybe battery acid or whatever. I've seen some pretty crazy videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can get this thing that maybe gets you a little bit of a buzz. And mm-hmm. that red flag for me, number one, because nobody, when, when the first hint bill passed, the whole point was you can't get high. Right, you right. Could, you know, you, you can't, just like you can't get jacked up off decaf coffee. Right, right. And that that has gone away because a lot of people have failed uh, in their efforts so far in the hemp business. And they see, you know, everybody wants to be in the cannabis business. I love cannabis. I live in California where it's legal. I think it's amazing. I think everybody should have access, safe access to it, legal access mm-hmm. to contested products. I don't think it should come from hemp. So, um, full spectrum, I'm all for. I, t- I prefer full spectrum personally. Um, but that you're talking about uh, essentially still a 50 to one or maybe 50 to two, uh, ratio of CBD to THC. And when those two are combined, CBD can kind of counteract the THC. When it's that small of a THC amount, like I'm not worried about people getting hot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, there's just a lot of things that go into the cannabinoid side. So really, um, obviously to answer your question, the, the cannabinoid side needs to be addressed. There needs to be firm boundaries put around it, and it needs to be addressed. Saying that, there also needs to be some exemptions, maybe not the exemption that's being publicized right now. I'm not still on the fence about how I feel about all that. Um, but sometimes there's exemptions for people that aren't growing for cannabinoids. You know, that, that aren't, that we don't need to worry about if their plant's hot because the, the flower material is just going to end up dying in the field, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously concerns with that. Kids or people in general could go up there and steal a bunch of bugs, and then it goes in the black market. But I don't know how you how you how you go about that. So I am for making it easier for people to grow true agricultural hemp, meaning uh, not cannabis that doesn't look like cannabis. Mm-hmm. But I'm also for um, you know making sure that we we finish up and, and get these restrictions around not only producing cannabinoids, processing cannabinoids, and then what can we put into the open market so that we all know? And I used to say, and Jamie Petty, who I love to death and is the founder of Midwestern Council, um, she's a you know, co 
right? And she coined that phrase, and, and I used it, and people said I coined it, and I, I'd never take credit for it. <laughs> uh, but somebody, a lot, and we, she, we were joking, like we can't really remember, but somebody coined that phrase, and it was because in the early days of CDD, there was this blah, blah, West, and I kept saying, like, hey, we all need to get on the same page. We all need to have the same lobbyists so that eventually we can draw the out-of-bound line, out line so we can all get on the field and play fairly. Mm-hmm. And I still don't think that's happened. So, yeah, that needs to happen on that side. And then I think there needs to be a lot more effort to encourage and enhance and evolve um, hemp fiber and hemp food. Well, obviously, there's a lot of growth problems right now in the hemp industry. But in a nutshell, are you happy with the direction it's going, or do there need to be some dramatic changes? You've obviously uh, voiced some concerns there, but uh, are you happy with the way things are going? And do you do you have a positive outlook on what can happen here in the next couple of years? I would say both, uh, or you know, <laughs> kind of kind of uh, <laughs> cautious, optimistic, of right? <laughs> Yeah, I am I am very encouraged. I was just at the Montana Hemp Summit um, with IND, uh, who I know is a big sponsor of the Midwest Hemp Council, and just, well, I mean, amazing stuff, very inspiring. Um, you know, they're doing what I thought I would see in 2016-17 in Kentucky when we were one of the first states, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, what some people are still trying to do there. And, and this shift in the conversation and hopefully in the finance world and investments and things like that to materials to um, food. I think, you know, even animal feed uh, I think is, is inspiring and it's where the biggest potential is. I mean, you know, even four years ago I was saying, Hey guys, like cannabinoids, if we gave, we did the math and we figured out, I think 2019 that you only need like 10 or 12,000 acres of like the best highest CBD producing plants to supply basically every American that wants CBD right now mm-hmm. um, with a lot. So I think that is, that's very encouraging. Um, I'm still really frustrated with the industry that we're here on the cannabinoid side that we haven't um, stuck together and got obviously a lot went into that COVID, et cetera. Sure. Um, but I think, I think there's been, you know, we had this huge rise where, um, the certain groups that were doing really good work um, got really powerful and big. Uh, I think some of the people felt like there was too much involvement from the industry, too many members maybe, too many voices, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then people started to kind of peel off and go do their own thing. And now I think, to be frank, I think we have too many uh, groups and too many people that want to take credit for the work that's getting done and being done and has gotten done by these smaller groups instead of just collaboration. So uh, I think we're back to that point of, you know, we need to get back to cooperation because we can't continue to go down this road without serious regulations. And the same thing is going to happen in fiber and food. And it's not necessarily going to be regulations or a confusion. It's like, can you get high and all that stuff? Uh, but it's going to be, we got to band together to go after this government money. Um, to tap into this $40 billion and, and some of these things that are being done by this new administration that is climate-friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do we insert hemp into, uh, you know, the, the solar, the, that kind of world, right? That The way those kind of people think and, and incentivize people to do that. So, yeah, it's, it's always going to be frustrating, but I'm always, uh, I'm definitely optimistic about that change in the conversation to the rest of the plant. 
All right, once again, Josh Hendricks. Josh is the Chief Growth Officer with Dex Sustainables, formerly Driftless Extracts. And if you're looking it up, if you're Googling, you want to look for Driftless Extracts. And again, the, the website that they can go to right now if they're listening, Josh? It's actually driftextracts.com, D-R-I-F-T. Okay, driftextracts.com. There you go. That's how you find Josh and the great people there at uh, Dex Sustainables. Josh, is there anything else that we need to hit on that we haven't touched on today? I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot more going on out there, but uh, anything else that uh, that you wanted to hit on today? No, I, mean, I think I pretty much hammered it home. Um, IMD was super cool. The Southern Hemp Expo was this week. I don't know when this will come out. Uh, I know there's a, there's another thing in uh, Oregon next week, and, and it's, like I said, the, it's really cool. Um that uh, that we're seeing such an emphasis between the U.S. Hemp Building Association and um, the Hemp Sustainability Foundation. Now we have our technology accelerator in Wisconsin called the um, Natural Materials Technology Accelerator, which is these are five hundred one c threes that you know you're able to donate money to and, and and able to utilize that money to really kick the industry into gear. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think when you're talking about materials, there's all kinds of interesting things you can do with hemp. Everybody says, oh, there's 25,000 uses. It's like, okay, well, only you know 10 of those makes money. So mm-hmm. let's focus on those, and then eventually we can get into the cool stuff. And I'm, I'm very uh, excited. We've got some really smart people entering the industry, people that want to do everything from hemp tampons to you know erosion blankets. And that's the highest grade of hemp fiber to the lowest grade of hemp fiber. And you can imagine all the different things that happen in between there from makeup wipes to paper towels to diaper, you know, it's just mm-hmm. the list goes on and on, but you got to start somewhere. So I am extremely encouraged uh, to see this shift in the industry. Extremely excited to be a part of a company that's that the plan was always to shift, but that is now shifted. And, and the way we are building out the business and talking about our six, 12, 18 month plan, is you know solely focused on fiber while the ingredients and extracts and uh, cannabinoid business is, is still running over here net right side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just just really excited and and you know thank you for having me on. I think what you got the work you guys do as a um, a regional organization is, is vital, and I know how important the Midwest Hemp Council's been in a couple states. And and just kudos to you and all the work you guys are doing. And as always, to, to Jamie, who's one of my hemp heroes. <laughs> well, we could certainly say the same thing about you, Josh. You've done a, a tremendous amount for the industry, and and that's why we had you on the podcast again because you, you've always got great information like you have today. So we certainly hope uh, hope we can get you back on in the future and get some updates. Absolutely, yeah, love to do it. All right, once again, Josh Hendricks. Josh, thank you so much for your time, and we look forward to talk to you soon. Thanks so much. All right, thanks, Josh, and that is going to do it for this edition of the Midwest Hemp Council podcast. We do certainly appreciate you tuning in and checking it out. Please tell a friend and look for the next edition of the Midwest Hemp Council podcast coming up in September. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. I'm Jason Dozier. Thanks again so much for checking it out, and we'll see you on the next one. So long, everybody.